Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. It's actually me, Van Lathan Jr. That's who I am. Get it right. That's what, get, Rachel, how was your Labor Day? La- Labor Day was the come down. I had quite an eventful weekend, Labor Day weekend. I had a fantastic time mm-hmm. from Friday to Sunday. Monday was just chill, a little mm-hmm. bit of recovery. Mm-hmm. Friday, went to dinner mm-hmm. with some people at Catch. Mm-hmm. Had a group dinner, had a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, Saturday was the football game. Mm-hmm. Or was that Sunday? That was Saturday. Saturday was the football game. Yeah. Um, Van and I and Kalika and Brian mm-hmm. got to hang out for a bit. We had a good time. Van was a little bit upset because his team lost. Um, they didn't lose. They got fucking embarrassed. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. So, they didn't lose. They got fucking embarrassed. Uh, they lost to an unranked team. Yeah, well, LSU they're, they're came not... into the game as number 16. Mm-hmm. We knew they'd fall after that. Yeah, they're not ranked anymore. They're not unranked anymore. US, UCLA moved up to 14 in the AP rankings. They moved ahead, ahead of UCLA. Uh, I mean, of LSU? LSU fell out of the ranking completely. Right, but they were 16 coming in. But they, so, but UCLA dominated Hawaii and then they beat a team full of SEC athletes handily. So you expect that didn't look like it, you know, which is why you need teams from the Big 12 to come back into, you know, your conference or come into your conference to give it the boost, to give it the name it used to have. You know what happened the last you time might LSU? As well call SEC, you might as well call SEC <laughs> Alabama. What's a, what's a, what happened the last time LSU played Texas? We're talking about the SEC conference. I'm We're asking not, you. <laughs> I'm asking no. you. What, what happened? To, okay, it was a SEC, it was a close game. The SEC con- close game. The SEC conference. What happened the last time LSU played? You know what? Oklahoma. Texas lost, and then LSU went on to win the national championship. And then, and then they played. So we lost then, to a wait, national wait, championship wait, 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 team. Wait, wait. I just want to say that. And then we played Oklahoma, another Big, Big Twelve team, actually the champion mm-hmm. of the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. We played the champion of the Big Twelve in the playoff, and what happened then? Mm-hmm. Some of us live in the past. Destruction. And some of us I'm live just, in the present. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. Before it's you start nice talking, to reminisce, before, right? Before you start talking to SEC Big Twelve stuff, just just hold it's your nice horses. It's nice to reminisce. What's it's what? nice. You know, what? I could have been like last time I was at the Rose Bowl. Texas won a national championship, it's but different. I was dealing with the present. It's different. It's like a long time ago. And once again, <laughs> Pac-12 team. But look, but look, shout out to UCLA. They did their thing. They look really good. Yeah, shout out to they Chip did. Kelly. They did. Chip Kelly, good coach, needed that victory. They got it. Hopefully LSU can pick up the pieces and have a great season. But if not, I still win. Do you know why? Because it means I don't have to be nervous on Saturday. Okay. If, that's one way to look at if, it. If we're undefeated going into Alabama, then Van's peeling the skin off the side of his, his, uh, his nails and stuff. But now, knowing that they're going to go out there and probably drop one to fucking Troy or UAB, I don't have to worry about it. If well, were. I think I like that. Because yeah. you're no fun. You're no fun at the game when, you're, when your team is losing. He was sitting in a corner by himself, y'all, we, on a completely different row. We had to ask him to come join us in the box. Mm. You were no fun. And then you were a completely different person after the game was over, accepting pretty much the fate of the season. I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell people, but I care about all of these things. I remember at TMZ, LSU was playing Notre Dame in a bowl game and we lost the bowl game to Notre Dame. This is some years ago, Leonard Fournette's freshman year. And uh, one of my colleagues, one of my coworkers started playing the Notre Dame fight song while we were still at work. We were at work 
on this day. It was uh, and mm-hmm. the ball game was going on. I fucking lost it. Don't fuck with me. I care. I'm one of those crazy people that really the sun sets and rises on how well LSU and the Saints are doing. I care. Well, some of us care. We show our care in different ways. But needless to say, we got to hang out this weekend, which was fun. And then Sunday, I ended up going to brunch. And you know how brunch can take you off into doing something different. I ended up at somebody's pool house at a little pool party. Had a good time. Brian came too. And um, yeah, we had a good weekend. Tell you something. You're becoming very L.A. And it happened in record time. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. First of all, I've been here a year. And second... That's not very L.A. for me to go to brunch with a friend. Mm. And then I got invited to a pool party. Mm. Becoming very L.A. It's impressive. I'm impressed. The pool party wasn't a scene, though. There were very few people there. It wasn't scening. Understand that by definition of it being a pool party, it is a scene. You can't have a pool party that's not a scene. The only way. Let me ask you a question. Were there children there? There were not. It's a scene. So <laughs> it, 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 if if there were children there and they're like, "Mommy, Daddy, I want to be in the pool," ah, no. then it's not a scene because it's for the kids. But if it's a bunch of grown ass people sitting around in bathing suits drinking libations, were there libations? Of course, scene easily, <laughs> easily a scene. It's okay. I, I so, uh, where, where were you last Wednesday night? Where were you last Wednesday night? Huh? Man, yeah, don't be out here it. telling all my business. Getting That's not it. what this podcast is about. Getting it. Getting it. <laughs> Y'all, he's jealous because he wasn't with us. I, I feel like you have regret. Like, you're like, no, 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 I don't no, want to no, be no. there. And then you hear how much fun we have. And you're like, man, maybe I should have gone. Nah, I'm not going I'm not going back out again until I get these hair plugs I'm about to get. No. I'm getting man, them. no, you're not. I'm no, getting, you're not. Yes, I am. I've decided. Have you seen what people go through to get that? It's okay. The shaving of the hair, mm-hmm. the plugs, the eyes turn black. The Are you eyes full- turn black. Yeah, like for women who've gotten it done, like they get black eyes. Why you? Why would you get black eyes? I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but they get black eyes. Like it's like like when you you know think about it when you get your nose done or something like that. Like you get the black eyes. I never heard this. So what I'm doing is I, I got only a couple spots where I'm thin, right? Like, oh, so you're not going to do the whole hairline? No, 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 no. I'm getting filled in. A couple of spots where I'm thin. Why don't you just do a spray? And I was, I could do the spray, but I don't, but I did not play basketball and you're out there playing basketball, you know, and you look like a wax figure melting or something like that. I don't want to be that guy playing basketball. You remember that when that happened to Carlos Boozer in the NBA game? They had gone okay. too tough on the... No, you remember but I got to see it. No. Carlos Boozer had the Beijing in his head. And no. he got a bad Beijing job and he started sweating and the Beijing started to like become really <gasps> prominent. You see it? No, but I just typed in Carlos Boozer. And <gasps> you see it? <laughs> and the first thing that typed up was hair. Hair. Yeah. Oh, my God. See, I don't remember him with hair. I just remember him. I forget. I forget he had hair. To bring it back. He's been bald. Wow. I'm going to do it. Wow. I'm going to get a cup right here. Right here, and then okay, well, right we'll, here. We'll, we'll we'll have a conversation. I'm gonna get these hair now. When I get these hair plugs, I might even go. I don't know. I want it. Can they glue hair onto my head? Because we've talked about the man wig. Yes, you can. The, it's okay. impressive. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it like a high top. Get do it. I'm, look, look, Halloween's around the, the corner. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween's around the corner. Wow. Who are you? You said you want to be kid and play. Who are you? Uh, who are you going as Halloween? The Devil's Holiday. 
Satan. <laughs> Don't act like you haven't dressed up for Halloween before. I How have, but I, I acknowledge it, though. I acknowledge it's it's a pagan holiday for Satan. It is. No, not for everybody. Does the judge do Halloween? Okay, one of my dad's favorite things is to pass out candy to the kids on Halloween. That's not what I asked. That's just a, that's just observing a custom. All right, a custom. So is dressing up. Does the judge dress up? No, gosh, of no. course not. You know, I bet because I, I, he, he's the standard. He, you know, it, look, look. Here's the thing, dude. They should change the J. Not what would Jesus do. <laughs> <laughs> they should change the J. What would judge do? Because I'm telling you, he's not fucking up too much. I bet he has the cleanest browser history of anyone in America. So if, if you're telling me right now, the, the judge hands out, of course, he's going to hand out candy. They don't want to walk by. Oh, there's uh, Mr. Lindsay, Judge Lindsay, should I say, excuse me, Judge Lindsay. He's a mean old man. He doesn't give us any candy. He's going to give candy to the kids. Their parents might vote or actually a lifetime appointment. No, My that's bad. right. But like he's going to give candy to the kids, you know, but as far as dressing up, Dracula, the judge. Judge he Frankenstein? No, because he knows. Judge <laughs> the rest of us uh, have fun holiday and didn't spend the next couple of days going, my bad, Jesus. You know, it was, it's, you know we, we're having a good time. It's L.A. Um, but do you know what you're going to go ask? Because I'm definitely dressing up. <laughs> do you, know you, do you, know? You, know, you know what you're going to be? Oh, I, I, I don't know, know yet. I already know. You want to surprise us? Yeah, I'm definitely going to surprise okay. you guys. So we're going to do a Halloween okay. episode where I'm going to come. And my, my, my costume is going to be very on the nose, by the way very on the nose by the way if the thought warriors can guess what my costume is play this game on reddit guess what i'm going as and you said it's very on brand it's very on brand very on the nose for me very on the nose for me is it one of the characters on your shirt no it's not this episode is brought to you by atlassian atlassian software like jira confluence and trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life with premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Can you name all the characters on my shirt? Let's go for it. This is a Marvel shirt. Okay. And this has the Avengers on the shirt. Can you name all of these characters? Let's go. Who is it? Okay, I'll go. I'll go with I'll start here on this okay. inflated A cup that I have now because of my weight gain. Stop. Uh who is, is this? Is that a mask? No, it's who is it? Iron Man? That's Iron Man. Ding 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 ding. Who is that guy? I don't know. Look at the goddamn picture. Who is that? I, I don't know. He's blue. He's Captain blue. America? Yeah, with a gigantic A on his head. You know, I got to Well, that's how I figured it out, but I I got to tell you these these are cartoon characters, so it's it's throwing me right. off. Okay. Who is this? The Hulk. The Hulk. Okay. This one's a little tougher. Who is that? 
I know I was going to say He-Man. No, uh, um, he, <laughs> but think about Thor. 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 Oh my God, you're so close. Who is that? Black Panther. Oh! Oh! Y'all, y'all, I'm fine Y'all, oh! <laughs> I'm fine We're for five. killing it. The I have no idea who that one is. Yes, you do. You do know. She uh, Black Widow. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. One, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven out of seven. You know what? Stop clowning big fucking Rach. Stop clowning her. I'm, so, I'm sh I shocked myself. Right. I shocked myself. We got to get you a show on the ringer verse now. No. We got to get you an instant reaction <laughs> Marvel show. We have to get you a show. I didn't know you could do it. I believe in you now, though. Uh, Thank you. Do we want to talk about the flight attendant thing or no? You so man, since you found out about this, you've been itching. I wouldn't dare take this away from you. Go ahead. Go ahead. A flight attendant made a TikTok. And I didn't there's two things I didn't know about this. Number one, I didn't know that like you could go on TikTok and like as a flight attendant and talk shit on the passengers of the airline. I don't think you can. I, is that that's got to be frowned upon right i don't think you can that's that's that's, that's not <laughs> it, it, she'll definitely at least be demoted from working in first class right right Ooh, working in first class i was on a company trip that oh, it was paid for oh, i just want I, to put I, that I, like a warm croissant you know what i'm saying it's the butter here that's what they do um so it was made aware, uh, it was brought to my attention over at OR Thought Warriors that a flight attendant made a TikTok, a TikTok that has, let's see how many likes this TikTok has. It, I put it in the group chat. Let's, uh, let's see how many likes <laughs> this, this TikTok has. Uh, I'm not going to say your name. You guys already know this already for fans of the podcast. The TikTok has what it looks like. Oh, wow, it's really gone up since the last time I looked at it. It has 50,000 likes, which is not a shit ton of likes. Well, it is in comparison to any of her other videos. Wow. Uh, shit ton of likes. Her name is whatever. I'm not going to say the name. Uh, she did a rundown of people who she's waited on in first class and whether or not they were cool or not. She did Sophia Bush, who she said was delightful and pretty cool. She did uh, Kristen Chenoweth who she was really into and said it was cool because Kristen Chenoweth was uh, was writing music while she saw her. And then she did Rachel and Brian. First of all, she disrespected Brian. She did. And if there's one thing that I won't abide by, it's disrespect of Brian. You and me both. When Brian was walking through the Rose Bowl, it was as if the sunlight was just following him. Every, it was nighttime. Everywhere Stop. he went. Then it was moonlight. How do I know? <laughs> everywhere he went, people were like, that's Brian. Uh, so don't disrespect my guy, Brian. But she said that you were mean, Rach. She said. Yeah. She, she complimented the other two. She complimented the other two. And then she said that you were choosy about your foods on the first class flight. She didn't say it. This was the most. This was the most. I feel like. <laughs> this was the biggest <laughs> deal. She said, you asked for a sandwich and asked if there was cheese on the sandwich. To which she said, yes, there's cheese on the sandwich. Then she took the sandwich back and warmed the sandwich up for you. And the cheese melted on the sandwich. 
then you asked her to go and pick the cheese off of the melted <laughs> sandwich. And I don't know if there's anything more frustrating than picking cheese off of a melted sandwich. Absolutely. Do you remember this encounter? Is there any truth to the yarn that has been <laughs> spun on TikTok about my co-host? So first of all, I do remember. Ooh. And because I was traveling on Christmas Day, and it's not often I travel Christmas Day, and I was going to work. I was actually headed to ESPN. I can remember this vividly. This was like two years ago, mm -hmm. or two Christmases ago, I should say. Um, so it's not true. There are parts of it that are true, mm -hmm. but not all of it's true. And I just want to say, I think that for somebody to create this type of TikTok or any type of social media post like this, you know everything you need to know about that person. That while in while performing their job, instead of just doing the job, they decide to take what they know in their job and make a whole TikTok out of it, mm. which is a bit of an invasion of privacy. I'm sure, a sure so. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Sophia Bush. I'm being nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Sophia Bush and Kristen Chenoweth wouldn't want a TikTok about them, even if it is positive, but I'll, I'll speak to mine. So I absolutely asked for, or there were whatever options there were, I asked for a sandwich. It had cheese on it. I asked for it. When it came to me, I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I asked for the sandwich. She said it had cheese on it. I thought I've never had a warm sandwich on a flight. Mm. So I thought it was going to be a cold sandwich. So I was like, well, I'll just pick you off just the cheese. You just take the cheese off. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'll just pick off the cheese because I don't want to, you know, like be too picky. And I was really hungry. So when the sandwich came, it was melted cheese. And then I couldn't pick it off. Uh -huh. So I just said, you know what? I can't eat it. It has cheese. I every, Anybody who knows me and I talk about it a lot, like I cannot handle cheese. Mm -hmm. I don't do milk. I don't do any kind of dairy. So because the cheese was melted on the sandwich, I just said I can't eat it. And I gave it back to her. Right. I didn't ask her to pick the cheese off the sandwich. And then she went back and this was very nice of her. And she like went back to find me other snacks. Uh -huh. But at that point, I'm, I'm very picky. So I was just like, no, thank you. Right. And that was it. Right. That was the end of it. Mm -hmm. But she decided you know, I hope she got the clout she wanted. She clearly got the likes, maybe some followers, because that's why you would put this video out there, right? To garner some type of attention. I just want to give a shout out to American Airlines because that is the flight that I was on and put American Airlines on notice that your flight attendants, whether they're working in main class, business class or first class, like to take make TikToks about your customers that fly on their flights, which I think is an invasion of privacy. And now I'm a little nervous about flying on another American flight because I don't know if I'm going to run into this person and then she's going to have another TikTok about me, an untrue TikTok at that. When I fly, I'm super low key. I'm to myself. I put my ear pods on like I either sleep, I'm reading, I'm working, watching a movie. I'm super chill. But the fact that I can't even ask for food and then when it has something that I personally can't handle, my body can't handle, and I t send it back, that becomes a TikTok. It's just really inappropriate. Mm. But it is what it is. The, you know? the trappings of fame. Yeah, uh, I mean. Yeah. This, is, this is the thing. If I, I'm the celeb that you made a TikTok over, you ain't meeting anybody because I'm not a celebrity at all. You ain't meeting anybody on your flights. I am not on the level of Sophia Bush or Kristen Chenoweth. That's bullshit. Anyway, uh, but this is what I would say is, look, you know, 
now that people know me, when I go out, I try to be all super extra nice. But you know what the reality is? Sometimes I'm not even talking about what happened on the plane. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a nigga don't be with all that. I can remember specifically a couple of months ago, me and Nick May, shout out Nick May, Six Feet Over Productions, Academy Award winners. We went to Atlanta. We went to Atlanta for uh, uh, something at the gathering spot. If you're in Atlanta, please stop by the gathering spot and hang out. It's a great place. And we had a, a panel there. So we go there. You've flown all across the country. You know what I mean? Uh, you get to Atlanta. You get in. You, you have to do something later on. What you just want to do is get in your hotel room and you just want to lay down real quick. Just so you can be at your best because you have a job to to do later on in Atlanta. Just so you can be at your best. And we get to the hotel there. And the girl, uh, the woman, should I say, at the front acts like I'm inconveniencing her by asking to be checked into the room. And so after a while of getting intense unwarranted attitude from somebody who's at their job I said Mm -hmm. I said you know what fuck it I'm out and she was like fuck it I was like yeah don't worry about it all good love and joy I actually hit her with that line I said fuck it I'm (laughs) out and I went on I I got in an Uber and I booked a new hotel myself that I paid for Mm -hmm. all right as we drove to where we were going you know what I mean um and the reality is if you ask that girl Van Lathan's an asshole but the but mm-hmm. the but the fact of the matter is like I wouldn't expect her to go like I wouldn't expect her to go on something and out me and have a whole dialogue about me when I'm paying for a service. I think paying for a service means that exactly. you don't get to Now was it funny when I watched it? Yeah, of course it was. Funny. I laughed when I watched it. I was like, "Oh, I remember that." It was, of course it was funny. <laughs> Do you want to bring her on the podcast and have a face to face with her? No, because this is what she wants. It is she true. Wa- but I mean, I think it was as soon as when you sent it to me and you were like, you out here being mean to flight attendants. I was like, wait, what? And I watched it. And even the way she intro trod me, it was, do you guys watch The Bachelor? It's an atrocity. Oh, it's an atrocity. The whole thing. <laughs> like she had a like she had a preconceived notion. If you if she was going to be up and down and we we're going to trust her, uh, <laughs> her reviews of people, she's reviewing people. Um, if we were going to trust her reviews of people, she starts off her re- review of Sophia Bush saying, I love her. She's a, a feminist. I love all the stuff that she does. And she was couldn't have been nicer. And even her dog was nice. That's what she said about Sophia Bush. <laughs> yeah. uh, and she started off with you like, hey, The Bachelor is fucking terrible. And let me tell you what they have spawned. She was like, I, I know pop culture, so I mean, I know who she is, but this is her husband I, or whatever. I don't even know what his name is. And I mm. was like, my gosh. Yeah. Anyways, That's you enough. know. That's enough. I'll tell you one thing. What's up? Hide the cheese. Hide, Hide the, the cheese <laughs> when Rachel's on your plane. Okay. Is there any type of cheese that you that you deal with? I can't stand the smell of it. Like I can smell it if it's on anything sprinkled, melted, just regular. I just, I can't handle dairy. You unless don't eat butter, pizza unless it's butter. You don't eat. Pizza? I t- this is, so this is how I know melted cheese is hard to take off. I take all the cheese off and then I put the toppings back on. That's what I was willing to do with the sandwich. I was going to take the cheese off. Mm, can't you just ask them 
for a pizza with no cheese? Yeah, but I'm usually sharing with people. Oh. And so rather than it, because I'm because I am nice news alert. And so I rather than have a whole pizza to myself, I share with people. and I'm like, I don't want to inconvenience anyone. I'll just take the cheese off and put the toppings back on because I know I'm ridiculous with my food. It's insane. Let's take a break and come back. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Okay, um, something happened. And it is not uh, something that one would wish to discuss. Okay, Michael K. Williams, a man best known for his portrayal of Omar Little in The Wire, passed away earlier this week. Uh, according to reports, Michael was found in his hotel room unresponsive. He was dead of an apparent overdose. Now, if you don't know who Michael K. Williams is, he's best known for his role of Omar in The Wire, which is a completely culture-defining role in every single way. One of the most important roles in television history, if you ask me. But he's also done a ton of other great work. He's currently nominated for uh, an Emmy Award for Lovecraft Country. Uh, he was in Boardwalk Empire. Michael K has popped up all over the place. And at 54 years old, in many ways, it felt like he was just beginning. If you can mm. believe that. It, it, at 54 years old, as he had played Omar for all that time and in many ways it felt like he was just getting to it uh to the level that he was going to be revered just continue to do great work uh uh early reports are that michael k williams died because of the batch of drugs that he was using being tainted with fentanyl we're going to come to fentanyl in a second but before we talk about that i just want to say what a tremendous loss that this is for the human community, a guy who comported himself with dignity, grace, and class at all times. One of the most interesting things about remembering Michael K. Williams is that he um, he had touched so many different lives on so many different levels of lives that almost everyone seemingly had a picture with him. Hmm. Almost everyone had a picture with him and just talked about what a great guy he was. I had just come to know him in the last couple of years, you know, I would shoot him a message. He would shoot one back. He hit me up last year during the pandemic in order to do something for an organization that he was uh, that he was working with uh, back in Brooklyn. And I did that. Um, and for the little time that I did know him, I was very, very uh, proud to have known him. So uh, whatever God is trying to tell us, 
with the last year and a half, uh, two years even, I just hope we're listening. Yeah, no, um, it was really shocking to hear. Like, I couldn't, I, I think I like stared at my phone for like a good five minutes. Like, no, really? Yeah. Not Michael, because I, I've only met him once. It was on the red carpet at the BET Awards and he was there to honor DMX and he performed and he and I I don't know him personally. But one common theme I saw in the outpouring of, of messages um, that that people were sending out who did know him is that they kept talking about how beautiful of a soul he was. It's was a common theme. You don't hear people described in that way all the time. And I will say in talking to him for five minutes, he was infectious. I mean, he was full of energy, full of life. There was a positivity about him. I remember asking him who he was excited to see. That person happened to be on the red carpet right when he said it. I was like, look over your shoulder. He got so excited. We were laughing, joking. It was, he was talking to me as if he had known me for years, like, and, and, and really talking to me, you know, not trying to get on, move on the carpet, get where he was going. He took the time to talk to me. And if he could give me that in five minutes, I can only imagine what he gave to somebody who knew him on a much more personal on a level it's a huge loss for the community for those who knew him um but i hope he knew and i, I see people say this too i really hope he knew how much he was appreciated mm -hmm. and how much he was loved and how many people he touched through his work mm -hmm. and what he did yeah uh so if you're not familiar with the wire omar little was a stick-up guy in the wire not stick up kid, a stick up man. He was one of the most feared guys on the Baltimore streets. He robbed drug dealers is what Omar did. Now, how in the world could a character that lived by uh, the gun, a double barrel shotgun is what Omar used to carry. How could that character end up being the moral center and the hero of a show that's essentially about drug dealers, cops, and the socioeconomic problems that go on in Baltimore, right? In West Baltimore, for the most part. He could because Omar was a character that challenged people. I spoke a little bit about this with Bill on Bill's podcast. Omar was a very challenging character. Mm -hmm. It was challenging to love someone who was violent. You know, It was challenging as a young man. I think I was 22 when The Wire came on to confront Omar, who was openly gay. And not openly gay in a way that they said, hey, Omar's gay. Openly gay is Omar's laying in the bed naked with a man. Omar's mm -hmm. kissing a guy. Omar's doing all that and it's right there for you. And when you're, when you're confronted with that and you're still wrapped up in the hollow and absurd uh, hyper-masculinity that one is still going through at that age and some of us haven't uh, come out of, there has to be something that pulls you through that pulls you through to see the person. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. there has mm -hmm. to be something that pulled you through. And what did was the purity of Omar's character. He was pure. He was pure. It was a quiet grace and a dignity about him as he was played on screen. There was a complexity to him and it couldn't have happened without Michael K. Williams. Michael K. Williams had a gigantic scar running down the middle of his face. Huge. To the point to where if you saw him anywhere, you'd say, Jesus Christ, what happened to that guy? 
Mm-hmm. Right. The scar would just melt away from his face. It would just he had an abil- the ability to soften his face mm-hmm. um, and be so incredibly vulnerable to the point to where you saw nothing but like walking trauma and what that life breeds. Even with someone that was as powerful as Omar Little, someone that was as in control as Omar Little, mm-hmm. someone who racked up as many wins as Omar Little did. Like Omar's character was the first gay man on television that I said, I want to be that guy. Hmm. Now, this is a hmm. very, very, very uh, sophomoric in many ways, myopic way to view an entire community's experience. But I can't express how much watching Omar grew me up. And not just me, but uh, the people around me. It, it became so much about what he was doing and who he was and what he stood for uh, that anything else besides the core of the character just kind of it dissipated. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, around that same time I was, had been speaking with my sister who had come out and it was just part of an awakening for me. Yeah. And it seems silly, but it was a big deal. Uh, so for me personally, it was, it was hard. It, yeah. You know, Michael had been very open about his, his struggles with addiction. He had been very open about what he was trying to uh, overcome in his life. And, he just, uh, you know, it's just tough. It's just it's hard, man, yeah. for a lot of people. You know? I saw, I saw, um, there was an interview that he was doing with the cast of Lovecraft Country, and um, the the whole cast was there. I'm not sure who they were talking to. You can see it on YouTube, but he was talking about the the role he played, where he's nominated for an Emmy, actually, and for this this upcoming Emmy Awards. And he's talking about the role that he played and how how much it, it broke him. Mm. And how much he struggled with it. And, you know, a lot of times people see you see people and you say that see that they have the fame, the success, the the um, the money. And, you know, you think that that takes away all the problems. And he said something. I don't I don't know if I'd ever heard anybody put it in this way before. And I'm going to paraphrase it. Excuse me for not getting it right. But he said people think that when you kick addiction, you kick the drugs, you kick the, you know, the alcohol, whatever it is that it kicks away all the problems. And he's like, it doesn't. Those problems don't go away just because you kick the habit. They're still there and you still have to deal with them and confront them. And so it kind of lets you into what he was going through. And then when he talks about how his castmates were his angels and they really lifted him up as he was playing this role in in Lovecraft Country, he literally is from one minute talking to just breaking down completely. It like can't, can't and and it's just like he was really struggling and it it it's really heartbreaking to watch and I saw somebody post that most scars go unseen and I mean that is so true and it's just you say you hear people say it all the time but it's you never know what people are going through and just because it looks like they have it all inside they may not so you know it's just a reminder to reach out to people to check on people especially at a time when we're all separated, you know, where it's, we feel like we're out of the pandemic, but we're really not. We're really not. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I wish I could say that Michael K. Williams, well, I don't wish I could say 
that Michael K. Williams was the only person, but he wasn't the only person that lost their life to drug use this past oh. weekend. Three people died at one party. Three people died at one party early Saturday morning uh, in Venice, California. They overdosed on reportedly fentanyl-laced cocaine. The three people were Fuquan Johnson, uh, Natalie Williamson, and Eric Colangeli. And Johnson was a stand-up comedian. He was a writer on a, on a television program. He was a friend of a lot of my friends. Uh, mm. So they apparently took fentanyl-laced cocaine, and they died shortly after that. Um, there's been a discussion on the internet about fentanyl itself. Remember, fentanyl was also uh, what essentially killed Prince. And a lot of people are looking at it. I tweeted out that fentanyl is the devil. And after I tweeted that, what I had was a lot of people that came back to me and said, listen, fentanyl being used as a cutting agent, which is what they do. They take it and they'll cut heroin with it. They'll cut cocaine with it uh, as a cutting agent in these drugs. It is incredibly dangerous, but as a drug used for pharmaceutical purposes uh, and pain tolerance, a lot of people swear by it, say it was a godsend. Um, all I know is that during a time like this, when people have all types of life issues, they're depressed, they're separated from their families, a lot of them. Uh, some of them have lost work. Obviously, people are going to turn to, some people are going to turn to substances to try to help them get past these moments. And if there is something as dangerous on the streets as fentanyl is being used, you know, as a cutting agent for illicit street drugs, then don't we have to consider if people are dying, if it's this dangerous to people, don't we have to consider what the overall usefulness of it is, period? I mean, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there mm -hmm. about it. And, I, you know, I'm not a doctor, but. Man, it seems as if it is a pure, lethal monster. If you get it even a little bit wrong, think about it. It took out three people at one party and put another person in critical condition. And Michael K. Williams passed away from it as well. So it just it's it's. I, I don't know. Is, is is this a case where you look at the overall usefulness of a drug if it can be that poorly used and that deadly to people when it's poorly used? You know, I think it's that we're just now <clears throat> it's becoming more widespread that we're understanding. I mean, even a little bit of the impact of this drug. I mean, if you Google the word type it into any search engine, you will see stories outside of what just made the news. It's just not mainstream. In Long Island, six people died over a weekend. It's very recent. Uh, it was just recently announced that a, another, a young television star died of a... I'm looking um, at it right now. Logan Williams. I mean, oh, yeah. It's it's very it's just we're, not, we're just now understanding it. I think it's something that people have been talking about. But the the use of cutting cocaine with fentanyl is becoming more common because it is highly um, addictive and and people are using it so that that you know drug dealers can get cu repeat customers over and over again but I think the point is is that and I even had I know if my friend's son said everybody knows that you don't do coke at a party anymore so I guess because it could possibly be laced with this and so 
I'm glad we're talking about it because it is becoming a deeper issue. And it takes, you know, sadly, it takes people overdoses, prominent people, more people continuing to pass away from it, the numbers to go up for this to even be a conversation or for us to be aware of it. And we need to talk about it because it, it, I, I didn't know that that's what Prince died of. I had no idea. And, and it makes me wonder how many other people died of this drug, how harmful it is, but not just that it's harmful, it's being commonly used now right. when it comes to being put in heroin and cocaine. So, it, we, yeah, we need to be on notice about it. Okay. So, look, there are two ways that you can kind of, if you are going to use drugs, okay? And I want to have uh, Dr. Carl or whatever the guy, you know, the guy who wrote the heroin book, you know what I'm talking about? That guy, you never heard of this guy? This guy from Brown or Princeton or somewhere who wrote a book about using drugs and all of that. I want to have him on the podcast. I want to talk about this. I want to have him on the podcast and talk about this. The name of his book is Drug Use for Dummies. I want to have him on the podcast. I want to talk about this. Uh, if you are going to use these drugs, there are two things that you can do. And I'm not, high learning is certainly not telling people to go out there and get high on cocaine or heroin. Not telling you that. Um, but there are fentanyl test strips that you can buy at harm reduction sites. You know, there are fentanyl test strips that you can buy where you can quickly test your drugs to see if they are fentanyl laced with up to 97% sensitivity. All right. You can get those. And you can also, obviously, people can carry Narcan. And Narcan is a substance that you can take. Um, nasally or other ways uh, the, to where if someone is overdosed, you can give it to them and you can perhaps save their life. So what I would tell people, the people listening to this podcast right now, if you are a recreational drug user and you're using drugs that might be cut with fentanyl, there are estimates that 8 to 10% of the drugs in New York City that have been going around were fentanyl laced. These guys are lacing their work with fentanyl. Um. Mm-hmm. Better safe than sorry. I, I I wish for everyone to be happy, healthy, and clean and free of any addictions. But at least if that's not a possibility for you, please take steps. Please take steps to ensure that you're still here after you get high. Yeah. I do want to ask you about one more thing related to this. I know we spent some time on this. Lunell came out um, after this. And you know, Lunell, the comedian. Yeah, Lunell. And mm-hmm. she said... Uh, she said, enough with these hard drugs, smoke some weed, do this, do that, uh, but don't, don't, don't take any hard drugs. Actually, so that I don't misquote Lunell, I will read you the exact post that she put up on her, uh, on her Instagram. She said, have a drink, smoke a self-rolled or dispensary, dispensary rolled joint. Leave the fucking scissor, molly, and cocaine alone. You might be next, and and all you were trying to do was party. This shit is no joke at all. The dope dealers are killing people, but hey, you don't have to listen to me. Rest in peace. And some people were pissed off about that. Some people were pissed off saying that it was insensitive to Michael K. Williams and that uh, you know she had no right to come in and say, hey, leave the drugs alone in the wake of his death what do you think wait did she to cut this part out did she did you say she mentioned weed 
she said, no, no, no. She said smoke weed instead is what basically she said. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, there's a couple of, yeah, I, I have an issue with what she said. I think it's, if you feel that way, fine, but don't make that statement right after the death of Michael K. Williams, it seems highly insensitive or the people that died in California or the people that have died, period, of an overdose when it comes to this drug or any type of drug. It It is extremely insensitive. And it 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 just I don't know what it's like to be addicted to something. Right. And I'm and, and because I don't know, I'm not going to speak on from the perspective of people who have experienced that. I have no idea the struggles that they go through to fight that every single day when I know they're tempted every single day. And then second, for you to flippantly be like, just smoke weed, your, your weed could be laced with that. Weed very well could be laced with another type of drug. So like it's it's just to me, it's just a little bit of an ignorant comment to make. I'm shocked that Lunell said that. I'm shocked that the timing of that statement. Um, I hope she takes it back or takes it down. She did, she has it. I don't think she will. And you know what? I'm not saying I don't have a problem with it, but I do understand what she's talking about. Or not what she's talking about. I understand why she said it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. I had a friend uh, that I went to high school with. I'm not going to say his name. But if you went to high school with me, you're going to know who the guy is. He he worked at a casino near Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. uh, well, not near Baton Rouge, in Baton Rouge. He worked at a casino in Baton Rouge. He passed away. He got drunk at the casino one night or after or around there someplace he got drunk. And then he drove up the wrong way on a freeway off ramp. And somebody hit him and he died. And I remember talking to a friend about this and it's like, yeah man he passed away and uh you know he uh he he drove up the wrong way on a blah 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 and i heard i remember him saying my friend going well that driving drunk man that driving drunk what he was doing why didn't nobody drive him home blah 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 it's one time had another friend um who they found shot to death in his car, he was on a street called Aliquippa in Baton Rouge. In Baton Rouge, if you're any, on any street with a Native American name, you're in a part of Baton Rouge called Dixie. Uh, and <laughs> you probably don't want to be in Dixie. Uh, so if you're, if you're on Aliquippa, Choctaw, any of those places, parts of Choctaw, you know, all of those places, it's like, it's kind of where it goes down at. Dixie's a, a, notorious, a notorious part of BR. And I remember they found him there the car was running he had been shot he was already dead and i told another one of my homeboys about it i brought the news and it was like, well, what was he doing out there man at two two or three o'clock in the morning and something dawned on me it dawned on me that people immediately on hearing about the death of somebody that they sometimes try to compute and make sense of death by pointing out what they feel like the person did wrong in order to cause their own demise because sometimes people want to detach death from either fate um, or they want to put distance between themselves and death. And what they're saying is that would never happen to me because I would never do that. And they're saying that by saying, hey, I'm not going to die. And death is so unnatural for us. Death is sometimes so hard for us that a lot of people I've seen, at least in my in my experience, is that they often take issue with things that the dead have done to basically say that these people put themselves in that position to put a buffer between themselves and their own mortality or 
to put something in between them and the grief. So I'm not giving Lunella pass for, for saying what she said. She has her right to say whatever she said. The message mm-hmm. and what she said is good. The timing is bad. But what I will say is I have seen this before. Oh, man, rather than it's too sad to put up something and go, hey, rest in peace, Michael K. Williams. So what you say is, man, leave the drugs alone. You don't want to really think about death. And we've been thinking about so much death. So I thought about mm. that when I read her message. I'm I off. think that's a very optimistic way to look at it. Word. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like you're giving her the benefit of the doubt, which I think is is nice. I mean, I do think it's natural. Like for the person who said, what was he doing in that part of town? I actually think that's like a natural question to ask as opposed to man that drinking and driving, you know, like, you know, don't drink and drive. I think yeah. it's, it's a little different, but Again, nothing's wrong with her thinking that. I just think posting that on social, mm. you know, right after it is. I don't think anybody can deny that that's insensitive to the people who struggle with addiction. It's not as simple as saying don't do drugs. Yeah. You don't think people who are addicted don't want to be addicted. They don't want to deal with, you know, whatever is whatever pain is causing them to 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 want to seek out drugs to numb that pain or take away whatever issue, I think they would much rather not be addicted than addicted. I, again, I've ne- I don't know, but mm-hmm. I would just assume that they would rather not. So mm-hmm. it's just, to me, it's just a little, it's just a little insensitive. I got you. I got you. Let's take a break. All right. California has a decision to make. Woo! <laughs> California. Recall election coming up, California. Recall so, so. election coming up September 14th. Gavin Newsom, uh, his ass is on the line. Okay. <laughs> Tell you what's Gavin Newsom, that ass is on the line. That ass, Gavin. This is not a laughing matter, but keep going. It's kind of funny. It's kind of no, funny. No, it's not. It is it not is. funny. It's a if, little funny. If his. Okay, his ass is on the line, but if his ass gets booted off, it's not. We're not laughing anymore. Well, we're not laughing. I would still kind of laugh. Wow. Okay. I'll tell you why you I move? would laugh. I'll you tell you. Move? I'll tell you why I would laugh. Okay. No, I'm not moving. I lived through Trump. I could live through Elder, but let me tell you why I would be laughing. I would be laughing because just the fucking whole thing is absurd, man. It is. It's just, the whole fucking thing is funny. Okay, let's get into what's going on right here. Okay. All right, uh, Gavin Newsom. His term doesn't officially end until 2023, but because of some people's problems with the handling of uh, of COVID-19 last year and the fact that he was caught out at a very swanky restaurant in Northern California called it. French Laundry, <laughs> not wearing a mask, uh, Gavin Newsom is in danger of recall. Recall means that there were enough signatures on a petition to force a revote in the state on whether or not to recall, impeach, remove, whatever, Gavin Newsom. Okay. So what has to happen is on September 14th, there is going to be an election. And if over 50% of the people who vote in this election uh, call for the recall of Gavin Newsom, it is done. Okay. Now, two ways, two things that you vote on in on a recall ballot. Number one, you vote on uh, whether or not you want to recall the governor. Number two, you vote on who you would want to replace the governor. The front runner in this is a gentleman by the name of Larry Elder. Larry Elder is a stalwart in the conservative community here in California and really all over the country. Someone who I put on my Instagram argued that slave owners have just as much of a case 
for reparations than black people do. First of all, you probably missed the, the point that a lot of slave owners did get reparations and were compensated and all over the world. Uh, it happened. Haiti had to pay reparations to France for winning their own freedom. True fact. Look it up. Okay. Even the, the bare mention of this is crazy. If he were to win, you can look at things like revoking mass mandates. You can look at COVID craziness. He is a diehard and loyal, loyal Trump supporter. Um, and he's talked about a lot of things he's going to do. Kayla Jenner is also mixed up in this, but she looks to be less of a threat. And She's like one percent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, polling right now is looking like Newsom will keep his seat, but it's still one of the more interesting things because cause it could it could it could. It could change the balance of power in the U.S. Senate. Diane Feinstein is 88. She says that she can that she is going to serve out her term. Her term, I think, ends in 2025 or something like that. That's right. If something were to happen to Diane Feinstein, God forbid, the governor would choose who replaces her in the Senate. If that is Larry Elder, the Democrats would lose their majority in the Senate. Now, I'm not a shill for the Democrats, as the people know, but I do think certain things like women's reproductive rights uh, and other things like that, that I caucus with the Democrats on are important. Uh, so this recall election that's coming up is very, 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 very key. Rachel, did you vote? I'm not registered in California. To God vote. damn it. I know it sucks. I'm still registered in Florida. So unfortunately, I can't vote, but it won't stop me from in telling those who can vote that they need to. I'll continue to post that on my social. Um, but it, this, it, it is important, you guys. Like, yes, Van laughs and says that ass is on the line. But we've seen governors recalled before. I mean, you'll remember Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's yeah. how he got to become governor on a recall. I think initially, let's let's go back to the 2016 election. And we all thought something couldn't happen. And then Donald Trump became president. People don't think, oh, Larry Elder's not really a contender. There's so many other people. There's 46 people who are running to be the next governor if Gas Gavin Newsom's recall, uh, recalled. It's very likely it could happen. I mean, a lot of people initially, you know, I, I should say this, it's very often that you see because of this law or rule or whatever it is, it's very often that you see people put a petition together to get the governor recalled. Right. It is not often that they get the 1.5 million signatures that they need. Yeah. And what sent Newsom over is... What uh, Van mentioned about the restaurant and COVID. Initially, that wasn't even why the petition was started. It was other issues like high taxes and um, the economy and homelessness. Now they're using that incident at the as the forefront, and mm. that was able to push them to be able to get the signatures they needed. As we see COVID increase, and we see this. Um, the COVID cases increase and all these variants out there, we're also seeing the state of California, among other states as well in the country, become more strict when it comes to how you can function in this state. That upsets a lot of people. And if COVID is the main reason that people are voting to recall him, then it is very likely that he could be recalled and the leading candidate will be Larry Elder. And I would like to point out some Larry Elderisms. Oh, okay? let's go. I love this, Rach. Let's point out some Larry Elderism. Elderisms. That's what we'll call them. Elderisms. He has made several anti-LBGTQ plus comments on social media. He opposes abortion and believes it should be decided at the state level. 
which means he would be in support of the Texas law, which means something he could try to implement something like that in the state of California or, or fight for it. OK, mm-hmm. he believes in police use of chokeholds. He believes that the state of California is soft on crime and has said uh, the 2014 California Proposition 47, which reclassified as misdemeanors, many low level drugs and property crimes that had formerly been felonies. He said he would, if elected, he would press for the proposition to be repealed. Jesus, Larry, come on, man. He thinks climate change is a myth. Larry. He believes that glo- global warming is not a big danger to Earth. God damn he it. has called systemic racism a lie. L- and God damn blamed, it, Larry. God damn and it. Blamed Black Lives Matter Larry, for what rising you, crime. What are you doing, Larry? What are you doing? He believes that welfare is more harmful to black families than slavery. Larry. Larry, come on, what are you doing, Larry? Larry, what are you doing, Larry? Larry, come on, Larry. He will do whatever it takes to please the conservative vote. He said that Biden won the election. And as soon as he got uh, backlash from that, he took it back. He took it back and but said, we need to focus on 2024. I'm telling you, you don't want this man. And I saved the worst one for last. Now, Larry Elder has been accused. It gets worse than the slavery thing? Uh, I mean, that's pretty bad, too. But this is this is really bad because I have a direct quote on this. Oh, let's do it. Now, Larry has been accused of sexual assault and harassment a few times. Okay, And in one case, Larry Elder defended himself by implying that the woman who was accusing him was too unattractive for him to sexually harass. Larry, he said, quote, if you had seen her, you would know that the picture would be a complete defense. Wow. I'm just saying. Wow. That is the man looking like who a scumbag. is leading right now to potentially be the governor of California. Get out and vote, please. Please. Yeah. The please man is vote. despicable. He's please disgusting. vote. Please vote. Larry. Larry, you got to you gotta chill, bro. You're not going to be governor. I voted. I voted. Good. Man, I'm, setting the example. Setting the Elderisms. example. Elderisms. Don't let them become laws in the state, y'all. Don't let... God damn it, Rach, what a bar. Don't let an elderism become a law. In this case, I have to say, (laughs) fuck the elders. (laughs) Normally, I respect the elders, but this elder, fuck Fuck this elder. (laughs) Fuck them. It just reminds me of that Martin, the Martin stand up where he's like, fuck them, girl. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> All right. Uh, it is the 20th anniversary of one of the most unfortunate and shocking events in world history. That is the September 11th terrorist attacks. Before we even go into anything else, Rachel, where were you? Oof. What were you doing uh, on September 11th, 2001? Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. So I was... 16 and I don't know why I wasn't driving to school that day, but my dad was driving me to school. Um, Both my parents worked downtown. We went to school downtown and I was listening to the radio. Shout out to K104 in Dallas. And I remember the sports guy, um, Chris runs into the, you, you can tell that he ran into the room where they were and he mm-hmm. goes, y'all, a plane just ran into the Twin Towers. 
and everybody thought he was joking. Like you, you heard it in real time, mm -hmm. and they were like, "What?" And and they were like, "No, no, 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 what?" And I remember I, I turned to my dad and I was like, "Are they serious?" And he was like, I, "I'm not sure." You know, he was like, "You know," and at that point we had pulled up into the garage and I went to up to school. And um, when I got there, I remember telling people, "You guys." A plane just went into the Twin Tower. I mean, at this point, I'm 16. This is 2001. So we we had flip phones, but we didn't really have like access no, to the internet that quickly. Yeah. And we have this thing at our school called TV One. No, not TV One. That's, that's a real B, thing. It's black. Well, yeah, was we had, it was called like One, One Channel, and they played it in different schools. And I remember Maria Menounos used to host it. And they would show us the news every morning. And then they said, somebody ran in. They were like, y'all, a second plane. No, 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 no. I heard the guy say it on the radio. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't gone up yet. A second plane just ran in. And everybody was very confused. And so I remember I went upstairs and I told everyone. And my school's downtown. And we're in Dallas, Texas. And at the time, you know, President Bush was the president. So there's a lot of confusion going on. And because we're downtown and a lot of people referred to us as Bush country, there was a huge fear at the school amongst the administration that they should cancel school because we they were saying there was a possible threat in in Houston, in yeah. Dallas, and Austin, specifically being downtown. Right. Then immediately after there was a bomb threat. Mm. There was an unidentified or unmarked car that had been left on the street in the area and they just they told everybody to call their parents and to leave downtown. Mm. The federal building where my dad was had a threat bomb threat my dad refused to leave and that i just remember my right and i i just remember my parents were like ride home with a ride home with my best friend aaron and we left school that day and it was a very it felt like a dream it was a very surreal yep. moment yep you were so far away from what happened but it felt like you were watching a movie like it just i just remember there we were in silence we went to a chili's and i just remember sitting there and we were like what's gonna happen like, you know, you, you didn't know the gravity of like what, like you saw the buildings fall down on. I remember I saw the second one fall down on television. You didn't know how many deaths there were, how many people in the city were impacted. You kept hearing about, um, you heard about Pennsylvania, you heard about the Pentagon and it's like, it just wouldn't stop. And I just kept thinking, I'm going to wake up and then I, and this is not going to be a reality. Yeah. I was, uh. Me and Ian were living together. Yeah, we were we were roommates. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where? Jefferson Lakes Apartments, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Baton Rouge. Jefferson Lakes. We had a two bedroom, gigantic two bedroom, four hundred and seventy five dollars a month. Wow. Nice place. We ended up just not paying the rent and getting evicted. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so. I was asleep. I had a lady over. Um, she knows who she is. Shout out to her. I had a lady over, and it was in the morning, and I, we were just waking up, you know, from sleeping. And boom, boom, boom. Hit on the door. Ian. And he goes, Terrorists just ran a plane into the World Trade Center in New York. And I was like, What? He's like, yeah, terrorists just bombed the World Trade Center in New York. So by the time I get up, the second plane had hit. Like the when I get up, the second plane had hit, 
and I'm listening to them on the morning show go, this was an act of terrorism. So I wasn't one of the people that watched it in the time after the first plane had hit. And then in that time, um, uh, not knowing what was going on. When I woke up, I saw we're under attack. And I remember for the first time in my life, feeling like you said it was a dream, feeling detached from Mm -hmm. reality. Because Mm -hmm. for the very first time in my life, forget all of the, see, here's the deal. All of the trauma that I experienced growing up in South Baton Rouge, I was used to it. Mm -hmm. Like I was used to this trauma. I was used to people dying of overdoses. I was used to people getting hooked on drugs. I was used to people dying violently. I was used to uh, people being infected with, uh, with HIV and AIDS. A lot of my friends. Like, so I was used to all of this. I was used to people getting weird cancers. Um, it was, these were things to watch out for. No one had Mm -hmm. ever told me if you go into a tall building, watch out for planes. It was a, it was something that I didn't realize was a possibility at that point. And never in my life had I seen besides in 93, which was not, which was sort of a botch attempt on a world trade center. I hadn't seen America attacked in this way. So there was an incredible sense of vulnerability. Like never felt as safe as you did before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me at least, and this was the subject of some uh, arguments (laughs) and chaos among some of the people that I was around at the time, there was an injection of patriotism at the... uh, I had no idea the history of the United States as far as our Middle East policy. I hadn't been paying attention to any of the reasons why anyone would want to do this. All right. And even having said that, there's absolutely zero reason to attack people and to uh, put women and children and firefighters, all innocents, all non-combatants, uh, to death. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm saying is I looked at the attacks at that point not as anything that had to do with any geopolitical mathematics, but of, as President Bush said them, pure evil. Yeah. As I've grown, what I've tried to do in order to detach myself from the feeling of good and evil as it relates to human beings, because that that oftentimes leads us to extremes. What I've tried to do is understand how we can participate in a future that brings us better outcomes Hmm. and how we can participate uh, in a country that is more responsible that breeds and fosters and incubates um, better outcomes uh, on the international stage. Now, me believing that now might have not saved those people on that day because they were the target of a very determined um, and a very sinister 
uh, plot. They were, <laughs> um, but I think going back and looking at it in, in its totality, it was one of the things that most shaped the way I look at American foreign policy uh, and what came out of it after that. Yeah. You know, you have to wonder if we made it worse in the aftermath. You have to wonder if 9-11 wasn't used um, as an excuse and a motivation for people to go hawking all over the world and taking out targets that they had always wanted to take out but just didn't have any reason to do it. And if that is the case, then it's one of the biggest failings of in the history of the country because the people that died in 9-11 don't deserve to have their deaths be used to wage any more geopolitical uh, attacks. They don't deserve to have their names used to drone innocent people and they don't deserve to have their names used to um, excuse any decades long occupations that it might exist anywhere. So I don't know if the United I don't know if the United States has got it right since 9-11. Um but I do know that I'll never forget it. And never forget it. Something you said made me think of uh something because I did I heard it in real time. I didn't see it. And I remember, so you probably didn't grasp this because you were told because Ian comes in and tells you terrorists. Yeah. When it first happened, you thought a plane just crashed. I watched that on the no- documentary, yeah. Yeah, like that's how it was described. The nobody even thought, at least like us, the civilians didn't think, oh, this is a terrorist, because you just didn't understand like the method behind it and why. But as more information started to develop, you were like, wow, we're under attack. Could I be next? And I think that was the the scariest thing, even even after that day. I mean, that was a feeling I carried around. I remember I wanted to go to college in New York. And um it, I had never been to New York prior to the um, attack. I had never I, been had either. You? No. So I I remember what it was like to go b- before they started rebuilding uh, the tower that's there now. I just remember seeing like the memorial and you know every and the empty the emptiness there. Yeah, and it's um no yeah everything like you know they they reported from there live from there for like months after live from the cleanup yeah like live from the cleanup and. Even the ticker that you see running on the bottom of your thing, that wasn't there on cable news before 9-11. Like the little ticker that's giving you all the news. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. like they they put that there to keep up with the news updates as 9-11 like was, as, as we just needed so much news. The NYPD was working. The FBI was working. CIA was working. We were about to launch uh, uh, into a new war. Like, what's Congress doing? What are you doing? Like, there was a period of hypervigilance in America and the brown people of America paid a debt for what happened in New York because there were hate, uh, there was hate attacks, um, hate crimes, should I say, all, everywhere. Yeah. And Baton Rouge yeah. was a big deal. People were getting, it was just, it was a very, 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 very weird time. And I, And I remember one day, just waking up going, damn, it's been five years since 9-11. As, yeah. we, as we always do. Yeah. Yeah. Human beings adjust. I mean, I think, 
I think this one, not because it's the 20th anniversary, but just because of what happened with us pulling out, it 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 makes you wonder in a way that in a way that I really haven't, I guess, in a while, because here we are 20 years later, we've had, you know, tens of tens of thousands of civilians um, in Afghanistan have have died. You have so many dollars that were spent. You have 9-11 and all the casualties from that. And where are we? Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like it feels like, you know, how, what is people? What are people? What do other countries think of the United States? You know, when I just say tens of thousands of civilians died, when I talk about all the money that we spent, the, the way we left Afghanistan, what do what do people think about us? You know, yeah, if we were going in there to get Al Qaeda, and and most of the pe- leaders of Al Qaeda were captured or killed, but what spawned from that? What about all these affiliated groups? You know, I just I. It makes me concerned about how people view America with the 20 years that we were there. No, nah, it's very true. It's very true. So, look, um, we could right now move on to more depressing shit because uh, we could we could update you guys on COVID. Guess what? It's bad. That's the takeaway. It's not great. It's suboptimal. Let me tell you something. If you're wondering how the United States of America is handling COVID right now, the answer is suboptimally. It's not, it's not, we're not doing the best. We're not getting all the bang. And by the way, something else I mean, I just realized that I, didn't, I haven't paid attention to because, you know, I haven't been leaving the house as much. Fucking gas is out of this world. Like, oh, it, yeah. uh, I went, I, I never, I've never hit triple digits at the pump before. I've never in the hit, Honda. In the Honda, I hit triple digits at the pump. You put Supreme. You put Supreme gas. In. Oh man, no, I get the regular lelelele, lelelele, lelelele. I'm looking at. I'm looking at. I'm looking at. I'm like, girl, your thick ass. <laughs> I'm like, you take what? I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, girl, you're so thick. You take. A, you take a lot to fill my baby up, huh? A hundred and one dollars. Because I have not hit triple. Your thick on ass. Regular. Now I, I I get I get gas in Beverly Hills, baby. There you go. That's, That's what I problem. do. My gas judges your gas. You got that. Judge away, because we ain't hit triple digits over here. Pathetic ass nigga gas is what you got. <laughs> Stop. You driving around soul plane mobile. Meanwhile, my gas is fit for a motherfucking golf court. That nigga gas out of here. We pay extra to, in the Honda, baby. We pay extra. Uh, COVID's not great. Um, something happened yeah. in the uh, something happened in the world of hip hop, and I want to talk about it. Uh, we'll talk about it on the other side of this break. All right, man. Let me tell you, we have to update you guys on the sassiest rap beef in the history of rap. Oh, sassy, sassy. I don't have much to say. While we were away. Things between Drake and Kanye got even weirder. <coughs> hmm Yeah. You got a cough into your arm, Rachel. That cough that you just did didn't do nothing. Okay? We've talked about this. You coughed into We're your... Not, I, okay, you, stop. You, Rachel, stop. we've talked about this. You coughed into your into the little fist. I did. That's not... You don't do that. That's not what we do. I did. And I'm going to wash my hands as soon as this podcast is over. Yeah. You got to wash them. If you get Brian sick, how are we going to learn to lose weight on TikTok? <laughs> Keep 
going with the sassy story because I don't even want to cover it. Okay, so this happened. So this past weekend, you know, we didn't get the shout out to uh, Dr. Youssef Salam. The interview that dropped, very, very right. amazing interview, very, very uh, inspirational figure. But while you guys were listening to that mess was happening, and I want to talk about it, even though it's old, just because I want to break things up. Kanye West and Drake are going back and forth. And you know how most beef sounds like rap bass drums? Think mm-hmm. about hit him up. First off, fuck your bitch and the click you claim. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Think about uh, Ether. Out, fuck Jay Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's how beef normally sounds. You know how this beef sounds to me? <laughs> when I hear like when I hear the sound of the Kanye versus Drake beef in my mind, I hear that's how it sounds. Sassy, fish sassy caddy. Um so Drake dropped a song. They victimized one of the greatest rappers of all time in this beef. This collateral damage in this beef. Drake dropped a song called Life of the Party. Life of the Party is a song that did not make it on to Donda and God damn it, I don't know why. I can't find it anywhere. You haven't heard the song? No, and I think that's why I'm not, I had searched everywhere to try to hear this song and I couldn't find it. Motherfuckers was posting a song on their Instagram. I didn't see it. Who do you follow on Instagram? Who do you follow? You. You follow me on Instagram? I didn't post it. Who else are you following? Are you following Matt James? Did I he bet, post it? I bet he didn't. <laughs> I bet Listen, he didn't. If, didn't if, it I, was, if Matt James is going to post any song on Instagram, it will probably be Ben Folds 5. <laughs> Or maybe <laughs> Maroon 5. Stop. But definitely not the Jackson 5. So did 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 listen <laughs> <laughs> Did people did they get have to take it down? Because when I saw it, I was like, okay, let me hear this song. And I couldn't find it anywhere. It wasn't even in the rundown. I tr- I was like, okay, Trudy found it. No. Okay, so here's- now. Yeah, they might, take, they might have taken it down. Like, they might have taken there it was down. a good like four days when it was up. Yeah. No, I, no, Trudy, no. I looked within four I've days. I've listened to the song a dozen times. Well, rap it to me. No, I can't. It's too beautiful. Can I tell you something? I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. There's a song by Ghostface Killer called All That I Got Is You. Mm-hmm. I can't listen to the song without bawling my eyes out. Mm-hmm. It's about how Ghostface grew up. Even the very the very mention of the song makes me want to cry. It's about how Ghostface grew up and about everything that he went through as a kid. And it is just fucking beautiful. It's 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 hard, but it's beautiful, right? Like beautiful. Andre 3000's verse it's on, on that Life level. of the Party is gorgeous. It is sublimely beautiful he actually raps about losing his mother right and, and, i knew yeah. and he raps about he's got a line in there that's like um the fact that he hasn't heard from his mother since she died makes him think that maybe there's no heaven and he go mm-hmm. and he goes because like what kind of heaven it is if they don't let you talk to your son and i'm like shit and he's just and he's but he then he goes maybe i have heard her like through the through a baby's laughter 
or this or this. And I'm like, God damn, this nigga's spitting. And it, and it's beautiful. Look, I got chills. I actually have chills. I'm like, so mad I, I haven't like, heard it. Like, like, I actually have chills. Like, he is... Because somebody posted in Reddit. It's got to live on Reddit somewhere. It's got to live on Reddit somewhere. Yeah. Please, somebody put it in the Thought Warriors. I'll, I'll get on yeah, Thought so, Warriors Reddit, please. So anyway, this verse comes out. Then Kanye's verse comes. And Kanye's verse... It's weird. Kanye's rapping about the fact that he he says he'll do something to Drake. He he puts it on GD. He he disses Drake. And Drake This is in the same song? Yes. Okay. He disses Drake. Uh puts it on GD. Kanye's gangbanging on this track. Uh and then uh I guess that was his diss to Drake. Drake leaked it on his radio show and I guess the purpose of this 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 leak was to get ahead of it in case Kanye decided to make a video of her to put the song out where it was going to be a Drake disc, whatever. Andre 3000 came out and was like, look, I'm sorry. I didn't know that this that Kanye was going to be dissing Drake on this song. I wanted to write something for my mom. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you. Both Kanye West and Drake mm-hmm. ought to be fucking ashamed of themselves. Mm-hmm. 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 They both ought to be fucking ashamed of themselves. Like for real. For each one of them to involve this pure and genuine soul. For Kanye to involve him by having him record a verse for Donda and then putting some hearing that beautiful verse and then putting that bullshit on the end of it. And then for Drake to come back and release the song, right? Put it out there. Something that amazing, something that heartfelt, something got to say, hey, man, if this don't come out the right way, this is somebody's soul that they're bearing. Somebody got to stop. They should both yeah. be ashamed of themselves. Andre 3000 came out, apologized, cleared it all up, said he'd love to work with Drake. He'd love to work with Kanye. He said he basically loved to work with everybody. The only name I didn't see on the list that he would love to work with is Soulja Boy. He said Andre 3000 just want to rap. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest with you. It's getting to the point to where maybe we need less Kanye's, maybe we even need less Drake's, and maybe we need more Andre 3000's to get this music back that makes us feel something, this music that's about something, Mm. and this music that means something. It was an ocean of difference between what Three Stacks was able to do on that verse and anything that we heard on either album, and that's real. So... I love Andre 3000 and I'm mad. That's why I was searching so hard, apparently not hard enough to find the verse. And I hate that they did this to him. I don't really go up and ask people for pictures. But man, when I saw Andre 3000 in Dallas, I was like, I'm sorry. Can I get a picture? I really just love him so much. And I remember this summer. Do you remember this summer when um, Three Stacks was on everybody's uh, song? Not everybody's, but it was just like featured. You had... um, the Jeezy, I do, I do, I do. Yeah. You had uh um, He likes the rap. Walk it out. You had but it was like a it just like kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. Um, it was a Lloyd song. Yeah. And I'm like, gosh, and every verse was just why why are you laughing at me? Because I'm like- thinking I'm thinking of the walk it out verse. The walk it out verse was nuts. <laughs> Walk it out like Usher. If you talk real talk, I probably won't. And you were talk. like, man. If you want to go to war with guns, my pleasure. He was like the, he was just, he just nuts. He's nuts. I know everything he does, everything. And it was just like, he kept, it was like all featuring Andre 3000. Man, he's giving us more music. He's giving us this. Oh, love him. 
hate I haven't heard it yet. This is this is what I was going to say about what you said about is it time to go back to people like Three Stacks, which the answer is duh, focusing on them. But are we part of the problem? And I don't mean you and me, because Lord knows I do not care about this battle beef stuff. And I did not care about whose album was dropping when. I'm mm -hmm. like, is it Friday? Just give it to me. I could care less. But are the people part of the problem? Because who are you doing these sassy beefs for? The people, for social media, for, you know what I mean? Like, are we the problem because we pick this up, we talk about it, we're doing it on this podcast, it drives up sales, people are curious. Like, what if we just were like, just get to the music, just get to the music. We're part of the problem. Well, Rachel, I'd like to thank you for holding up a mirror to myself and making me look directly in it. <laughs> we uh, are. I wasn't I care prepared. less. Just give me the music. Uh, yeah, you know, no, let's, let's keep it. Let's keep it. Let's focus on us. I wasn't prepared to, you know, have to come to terms with my own culpability in this thing. But your answer to the question is yes. Your answer to the question is we eat it up. Said I wasn't going to talk about Kanye anymore on the podcast. And what's my favorite thing to do? But yeah, but no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But a lot of times I do, there's this, there's a movie called the American president and in the American president, there's this great scene between Michael J. Fox and uh, Michael Douglas. It's a great movie, by the way, if you just want to watch something that's cool and represents a different time where, you know, it's like whatever white house politics, the worst things then would be looked at as like nothing now, but whatever the American president, like 1995 and Michael J. Fox is trying to tell Michael Douglas, who's the president, to attack this guy, Bob's Rumsfeld, uh, Bob Rumson, Rumsfeld's played by um, uh, by Richard Dreyfus, saying attack him. The people need leadership, and he says he goes. People are starving for leadership. They're thirsty for leadership, and in the absence of real leadership, they'll they they like they'll. He says he says no. He says people are starving for leadership. People are thirsty for leadership. They'll crawl through the desert. Looking for an oasis of leadership. Mm -hmm. And in the absence of actual leadership, when they find that there's no oasis there, they want leadership so bad, they'll drink the sand. Mm. So we're a bunch of Israelites. No. Michael Douglas comes back and you know what he says? He goes, people don't drink the sand because it's the only thing there. He said, people drink the sand because they don't know the difference mm. between genuine leadership mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the sand. They don't know the mm. difference. This is the central question right now is whether or not it doesn't exist or whether or not we've lost our way creatively and culturally and inspirationally so much to where now we don't even recognize it when we see it because, there it because there are artists out there that, that are putting out music and doing all of this stuff. But frankly, they're not the ones that we talking about. Not really. No. I mean, you got no. Cole, you got Kendrick, you got some guys like that, of course, but there are people out there making inspired real, but do we know the difference anymore? No. And we used to, right? Conscious rappers. Remember we used to talk about that. That was they a thing. They still got it. Hmm? They still got it. No, I'm not saying it's not. It's not still there. Right. I'm saying it was a thing. It was yeah. at the forefront. It's what we listened to. It was like, oh, did you hear that? Like you were. They were inspiring. They were talking about things in depth, not this melodic rap where you don't like it. You know, 
they're really just saying about 20 different words over and over again are really just trying to find the best beat that matches a TikTok dance. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm not saying that Drake and Kanye aren't putting out good music, but is it you know, if you're going towards leadership, is it all that? Not the way they're doing these not the way they're doing these social media digs at each other and yeah. putting up the maps of people's homes and ugh, it ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I will mm. tell you I'll tell you this. Uh I will say that I did, like I said, I did really enjoy and feel it. Three songs on Donda, so I want to give Donda credit. And Certified Lover Boy is 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 cool music. I said it's good music. It's good music. It's just it's there's all music. this outside. Let's just stick to the music. Stick to the music. I know we're about speaking of music. Go ahead and drop it. The best number one hottest song in the whole exactly. fucking world. You know what I'm saying? Music, hit it, hit it, hit it, Trudy, hit it. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. All right. Mailbag. Let's do it. The true, true. Let's do it to the true, true. The true, true time. Do it, Trudy. <laughs> From Austin Burquist. Who would win a game of family feud between the Lathans and the Lindsays? Well, we're the Abasolos. We're the Abasolos. Jesus Christ. You're just going to take the judge right out of the whole situation like that? Like Is the, that what we're doing? I thought he meant like my, like Brian. Nah, you know what I mean? Nigga, I it's going to be two on two. Like it's it's like no me you got, and the judge against you. No, it's gonna be if it's the Abba Solos, it's just gonna be y'all two against us two, and it's not gonna no, work. It could be the whole family if it's the Lindsay's. Brian could still be a part of the team. You know how it works, obviously. So that to answer your question, we would win. Brian and I religiously watch Family Feud. We love the show. Right. It would be us. Do you watch it? I do. Let me tell you why y'all gonna lose. Okay. Because Go ahead, man. because Go. family is a great question. By the way, Austin. With an E. Let me tell you why you guys are going to lose. Because the questions are more, more up our alley. We're, That's not true. We're salt of the earth people. You know what I mean? We're like, we're the type of people. We're the salt of the so earth. I'm not salt. We're not salt of the earth. People. Nah, nah, man. Nah, you're not salt of the earth. What does that mean? You're the Dijon of the earth. Stop. Like you, you, we will win. You're the honey. You're the honey mustard of the earth. We will win. We ain't no great poupon. Don't do that to us. Don't do that to us. All right, next question. This is from Krista Patrice. What do you think of Matt Weenie joining Dancing with the Stars? Y'all need to stop. I think he's ducking me. And by the way, oh, I'm out of contract now. So come on. I think he's ducking me because I saw him on another podcast. He did Brian's podcast, did he not? Or was that Dale? No, he didn't. That was Dale. Uh, wow, oh, you mixed it up. You mixed it up. You're like five black people on the show, and you're mixing them up. Come on, hey man. I'm not gonna lie. I was happy to see Dale. I miss <laughs> I miss Chip and Dale. Why would Why don't they give Chip and Dale their own reality show? They, I'm sure Dale would love it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's happening. Yeah. I'm sure it's coming. I want to see more L Chip and Dale. Yeah, Listen, what do you think about Matt James being on Dancing with the Stars? I How tell far you will what. He go? 
Iman Schumpert's on there. Schumpert? Schumpert. Schumpert. I think Iman he's Schumpert. going to do well. I think if there were African-based dances, he might struggle. But he's going to kill it with the Foxtrot. He's going to kill it with the Lindsay. He's going to kill it with that dance that the Rockets do. I'm on your ass till you're on my show, Matt. <laughs> Get over here. I want to see I want to see them throw up. I want to see them throw some curveballs to Matt. I want to see Matt crumping. Like I want to see Matt in full. No, they don't do it, but they should. <laughs> I want to see Matt in you got served mode cuz he think he can dance. That's the best part now. I, I like Matt. I like Matt James. I do not think he's going to do well on Dancing with the Stars. I'm sorry. Somebody had to say. Oh, I will say this. I think he will do. All, all, all just aside, I think he will do well. I'll you tell think you he'll what, do well in voting wise or you think he'll do well as in nah, football he, players. Football players always do well, man. Football players do good on the show. Wait, let me think. No, they do. They do. They, football players but, uh, always do good. Jerry Rice did oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like Almost any football player they've had on it has done pretty well. Football players always do well for whatever reason. Mm, I'm trying to think who was that. Who was it that was just on it? No, that was Charles Oakley. That was basketball. Okay, maybe. Yeah, football players. No. Oh, my gosh. No. Who? No. What's his name? Come on, Vernon Davis. He was terrible. Yeah, that's different though. That nigga too swole for all of that. He should have never. He should have like look. It's not a, terrible. Excuse me, Vernon. A, he just wasn't that. It's great. a level of swole that to where you shouldn't be on Dance with the Stars. What you doing, homie? You know what I'm saying? Like your ancestors didn't survive slavery for you to be doing that. You know, all the muscles mean something. Don't do that. Anyway, uh, Matt, I'm on your ass, baby. <laughs> Get your ass on higher learning, or the jokes keeps. <laughs> Weenie. Hey, hey, come on. We got to hurry up because Cowboys are about to come on and I need to I need to get home. Mail back. Come on, hurry up. Mail back. <laughs> From Gina Colombo. If you Columbo. could create a holiday, what would it be and how would it be celebrated? Colombo, not Columbus. Stop. I was about to get her. <laughs> you said. Uh, I was about to get her. Colombo. Uh, are, you, are, you are you connected, Gina? The Colombo family. Um, uh, if I could create a holiday, what would it be? It would be National Black People Day. This is the day. This is, I'm and seriously. what will we do? What Na will we do? National Black People Day. Answer whatever we want. Okay, so just a free day, like a purge for 24 hours. <sighs> we want to purge? <laughs> is that what we want to go, Rachel? <laughs> I wasn't thinking about violence, <laughs> but like, like let I, me finish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking I just about mean, violence. Like, you a person for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Not we can do whatever we want, but kind of anything we ask for. We mm -hmm. get one ask and anything right. we ask for, you got to do it. Yeah. You got to give it to us. But like once a year, National what we call it? Black People Day. I mean, the, the, no, an no, no. the answer is obvious. The answer is obvious. Nigga Day. No, see, I, I thought that's where you were going with it. Nigga no. Day. No. Nigga Day is perfect. We should, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do nigga day anyway. Forget so about on it. the calendars, it'll say that. It depends on whose calendar it is. No, no, no. Calendars are, no. are, are it's a national thing. No, Wilson, this is why it can't be that. Will, we'll Wilson, call it Black Pride Day. We'll call it Black Pride Day. No, nah, that's too sanitized. Like, that's nigga, not going to work. Nigga day. What month is it in? Not February. We want a good month. We already, we, yeah, we have February. We want, we want, we, no, we want like a nice crisp. We want May. Give us May. May is great. Okay, we want May? Yeah, we want May. We want May. We want That's May. That's Black Pride Day. Black Pride Day. Okay, next one. Last one. Last one. This is from Marley Emma. What would your dog's voice sound like if he could talk? 
He's right here. Both. Uh, I've said this multiple times. It would sound like Simba's. Really? Which Simba? Yeah. Grown Simba or baby Simba? Grown Simba. Grown, Grown Simba. Simba. It would sound like Simba. Grown Simba. Um, I think that for some reason, Bozeman's voice would sound, oh, I love you, boy. Bozeman's, Bozeman's voice would sound authoritative, but like very, very smooth as well. I think Bozeman would sound like Barack Obama. Really? I had him pinned for like a cookie monster. Could be. Or, you know, like uh, uh. I, I, I see hoarseness in Bozeman's voice. Yeah, but his eyes are so, he's so beautiful, man. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe I love this animal this much. His eyes are I so just, soft. I, I he's got like a soft soul, this beautiful goddamn boy. So his <laughs> eyes are soft. So I think he would be very calm. He calms me down when he's not tearing shit up. As a matter of fact, you're on punishment. Get out. Um, all right. Oh, that's Aww. enough. That's enough. Uh, uh, that's it. Do you have an unexpected ally of the week? Uh, yeah. I'm going to give mine to Lyft. Oh, Where wow. That's great. That? that was mine. Okay, good. Lyft and great. Uber. We got the same one. Lyft and Uber, who will be covering the legal fees of drivers in Texas on their pers- respective ride sharing platforms if they get sued under, the, under Texas's new restrictive abortion law. But as breaking news today, um, uh, oh my gosh, Merrick Garland is suing the state of Texas right now um, because that law is unconstitutional. Or at least that's the argument they're making. So we're, we'll see what happens. We're going to see. Doing what the Supreme Court didn't do. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up. We'll have a breakdown of that um, as the next couple of days unfold. We're going to talk to somebody that's going to let us know what merit that Merrick Garland is, merit, Merrick Garland, what merit that he's suing on, uh, what we can do to help or amplify if there is anything or what chance it has in the courts. So we'll work on that for Monday. Um, for right now, keep your thinking caps on. Leave them on. Don't take them off. Don't take your thinking caps off. Okay. I'm going to leave mine on because my hairline is disappearing. So leave your thinking caps on. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. We are out. <laughs> <laughs>